soft. Okay, well, we are recording now. Oh. So Cam is muted. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid-Major Madness Podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. I'm joined today by my co-editors, Cam Newton and Greg Mitchell. It is mid-February, which means we are just a couple of weeks away from the start of conference tournaments. The regular season and conference play is in full swing. A lot of teams in the back half of their league schedule. Um, The usual suspects, I guess you could say, are at the top of our polls with Gonzaga, the undefeated San Diego State, and Dayton uh, in in the top three in whatever order they are. I, I don't even remember. And... You know, those are the three teams that are vying for one or two seeds in the NCAA tournament. Um, I guess before we really get going here, because, you know, we we don't plan this. We just we just talk. We just jump on here and we talk. Um, guess I'll throw it to each of you. First, what have you liked about the last couple of weeks since we've last recorded? What haven't you liked? Tell me something about your lives. I don't know. Just, you know, talk. I like that the three teams in contention for a one seed have allowed this to stay alive here. Um, you know, it's it's fantastic because we know once we know for sure once San Diego State or Dayton loses that that's off the table probably whether that's whether that's a good whether that's uh, fair or not. Um, Gonzaga probably has a little bit more room for error, but um, even that's probably debatable. But I just like that this this whole the movement is still with us. You know, because it's it's um, it's very exciting that we could potentially be looking at a situation. It's like it's not a pie in the sky thing. It's not a thing that we have to make like squint really hard to make a case for. Like, if these teams went out, they're all getting one seeds probably. So it's 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 neat that the every day that this is still alive is a very good day in our in our little world here. I don't know. I, I still don't really care much for this season, man. Cool. Cool. I mean, like, I I love. I love seeing like San Diego State do this, and I think there's an incredible chance that we're going to see them go into the NCAA tournament like undefeated. That that that's going to be pretty phenomenal, and that's really the only thing keeping me going right now. Um, I think it's going to be just fun as hell if if we get them being like the next Wichita State from um, 2014, even though um, they'll probably get screwed with uh, bracket placement just the same way that that Wichita State team did. What don't you like about this season? I don't know. It just feels kind of boring to me. We've talked about this like three other times on the podcast. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, we have because you all say, you know, it's it's all a trade-off and what you want. Like this year we've got more quality uh, mid-majors and Gonzaga um, who were up there at the top who were actual like genuine contenders to, to make a Final Four, um, which is different than years past. But at least in the years past, it felt like there was a greater spread of teams that we were um, talking about and actually were confident about possibly getting um, at-large bids, winning a couple of games, even from some of these small, small conferences. So it's just a little trade-off, I guess, based on your preference. Okay. okay. Yes, I, I do remember this now, and that actually is probably a decent transition into one of the things I wanted us to talk about. Um which is, you know, now at this point we might have multiple teams from a small conference that can make the NCAA tournament. Um, East Tennessee State is looking like a strong at-large candidate at this point. Uh, Joe Lenardi now has them in his field uh, in the bracket matrix. I know they're right on the edge, so they're certainly going to be in the discussion. It It's kind of funny that this is the season that we could get the two-bid SoCon when last year the SoCon was at very clearly the best it has been in a long, long time. Yeah, and like I'm going to pull the card of, which is a ridiculous card, and I hate when people say this, that I saw I saw them in person, so I know them really well, which I, I don't. But I, I saw them play in Allen Fieldhouse, which is, what, Cam, like three blocks from my house. Um, and and they, right. they they like looked like an, an at-large team like they walked in there and they played really well and they weren't scared of the moment and that's really probably the only time I've really watched them like you know wall to wall this year um with like 
extreme interest um, for an entire game, but like they definitely look the part. So if that's a team that gets it, even though I think we'd all agree that SoCon this year, as you said, Russ, is not as strong top to bottom or even in the top you know, four or five or whatever as it was last year, it, at least if that's the team that gets it, that, that would make sense uh, to me, even though as I... You know, on, on, you know, if you go to uh, uh, Torvik, uh, 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 Bard Torvik's uh, tournament, uh, the uh, uh, tool he has to compare uh, uh, resumes, and theirs is kind of like half the teams on there have gotten at larges. So it's it's it seems to make sense. I think one thing um, about this, it, it all operates on the assumption, though, that like East Tennessee State doesn't win. Um, Right. The, right. Yeah, because like right now, that's the only reason why they're a two bid thing in the um, on like Lunardi's bracket, for instance, is just because he goes by conference leaders, and so that's why Furman is technically in there. But like, assuming East Tennessee State beats Furman this week, I mean that'll change and whatnot. So, I mean it's it's more than likely, I guess, that we're just going to see just kind of like Wofford last year. Um, the best team just wins anyway, and so we don't get to really see um, the two-bid SoCon come to fruition. Well, I think they're assuming, or they were, I guess, that Furman is the one getting the auto bid. But, I mean, whatever. Let's see. Does Furman have an at-large case if they don't win the SoCon tournament? I was looking no. at that. I don't know that. No I way. don't think they do. I mean, and that would, you'd have to take this whole like, parody-filled year thing to the extreme. Yeah. I'm looking at their schedule scenario. now. They ETSU win is good, obviously, but they got nothing out of conference. Although, you know, ETSU has two hideous losses as well. They lost to Mercer and they lost at North Dakota State. And, I mean, you could probably withstand that if you had a little more meat to your schedule, but I think that win at LSU for the Bucks is doing a ton of heavy lifting here. So if... Herman, because I remember they had they had taken Auburn to the wire um, this year. If that game went the opposite direction, it, again in this like parity field year, is that enough that you know if that had, they had won that game, does that push them in? Does that make their case that much stronger that they would arguably uh, uh, be in the field as an at large? Maybe. Uh, just kind of eyeballing it right now, that would be well. First of all, that would obviously be a quad one win which it doesn't look like they have right now on their schedule because they uh, beat ETSU at home, so that would be quad two. Of course, I'm looking at their Ken Palm rankings, not the net, but you know, just pretend that I'm not. Um, Loyola Chicago would be quad two. So, yeah, I mean, that would definitely make a huge difference. And that's ridiculous that... You know, and I guess you could say that in a lot of years, like depending on the win, but that, that one win could flip a resume... Because I think well, we all agree same, they don't have a chance, and I don't. I find that interesting. Well, it's the same thing with like um, that I that I have talked about and bemoaned all year with like UNC Greensboro, for instance. Like how how much differently we'd be talking about them right now if not for like two fluke half court shots that mm-hmm. went in um, that gave them that loss. I, Montana State earlier in the year, and then that half-court shot sent it to over... I mean, it would have um, sent it to overtime if it hadn't gone in against North Carolina State. So anything could have happened. Um, but still, to think that, like, their season, how much differently their resume would probably look, especially since, like, North Carolina State... Um, I think that was a home game for UNC Greensboro. Yeah, it was. I actually I do have the uh, net rankings up now. Or I have Furman's team sheet up. And this is a situation, I guess, where the switch from the RPI to the net really screws someone because their RPI would be 47 right now, and their net is 73. And, again, that's 0-2 in quad one opportunities, 2-2 in quadrant two, and then quad three and four combined 17-1, and which obviously pretty good, but that's not going to move the needle a whole lot. And, yeah, as you said, Greg, just... Missed opportunities out of conference that's going to come back to bite them. Um, If they do want to enter this conversation, I think a win on Wednesday at ETSU is pretty much a must. I would like to see the men of the fur in the tournament. I think think that would make me happy because they, they, um, I think they kind of got lost 
last year with how awesome Wofford was. Like, I know yeah. we talked about them a lot in the beginning of the year when they beat Loyola and beat uh, Villanova, but, like, they had a really good year last year, and that's a program that, um, you know, I know we've written a lot about on the site, but that I don't know that it's really appreciated nationally how successful they were last year and how they've kind of, um, how successful they've been over the past few years over a couple different coaches. So just as a kind of, um, kind of a commemoration of all that, it would be kind of neat to see them. Yeah, and really, the the level of continuity under Furman from Nico Medved to Bob Ritchie um, has been really impressive. I mean, if you go back to like 2017 when Medved was the head coach, finished 106 in Ken Palm. That was a team led by Devin Sibley and, and Fowler with Jordan Lyons and Matt Rafferty in a more supporting role. 2018 comes along, they finish a little bit better. They still get bounced in the SoCon tournament. Lyon steps up a little bit more, Rafferty up a little bit more, Sibley's still the leader. Then it was Rafferty and Lyons last year as the two uh, the two guys in charge. This year it's Lyons and now Noah Gurley and Clay Mounts. Um, so they've had guys every year to kind of step in and either replace the guys who were graduating. They had freshmen or sophomores uh, contributing who stayed with the program to their junior and senior year, and you could see it that Furman is becoming more of a basketball program, I think, than you typically see uh, at this level, something very hard to do uh, in the SoCon. Yeah, it's crazy, but they're, they're – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kim. No, I was just going to ask um, if anybody remembers what seed Furman got in the NIT last year because I was trying to like look back and see how close they actually were to getting that at-large bid because UNC Greensboro was the first team out and um, I forgot about the disparity, actually, in yeah. terms of, like, just looking at their Ken Palm rankings, for instance, and how, like, Furman was about 30 spots better on there. But they lost to UNC Greensboro twice in the year. So it's just interesting. I was just curious how they close were three Furman seed. was. They were, three seed. they were three seeds. So they were, yeah. they were close, in a, in a way. Not, not incredibly close, but. Yeah, so they were somewhere between. They, they were in the next, next four out. <laughs> <laughs> Russ, the optimist. Well, you know, first four out would be the top four seeds in the mm-hmm. NIT. Next four Russ, out. Russ, the mathematician. On the fly like that. Listen, I, I know my fours. Yeah. Which, that's a transition. Uh, can you tell everyone, Cam, why you have three fours in your email? Cam, oh, share your email with us yeah, that's and the also personal, your home address. <laughs> yeah, that's the personal life that we need here. Oh, well, um, so four used to be my favorite number when I was a little kid. Why did it stop being your favorite number? Uh, Why was it your favorite number? Okay, so it stopped being my favorite number because I grew up, and adults don't have favorite numbers. (laughs) Some do. They're not adults. They're little babies. And um, so I always figured, oh, well, four is my favorite number. So if you have 44, that's like double how i mean eight's technically double but 44 it's double the number of fours (laughs) exactly it's it's two times the number of fours well well, it's still eight we're talking in weird language here man but anyway you you could put four and four together and that's even more powerful and uh you had an extra four i mean come on but why not have four fours or why not do four four, i mean now you're just plus infinity plus one one. now now you guys are just getting crazy (laughs) That, we can't be doing that. All right. Well, that that was a very necessary discussion. Yeah, get us back on track, yeah. Russ. All right. Bullshit, dude. That was good. No, I. I That's I the content that people want. When they're screaming in the mentions about Stephen F. Austin, what they really are saying is, I want to know what your favorite numbers were as kids. Hey, I have a question for you guys. Just kind of thought of it myself. Thank you very much because we were talking about ETSU. Who has the best basketball team in Tennessee? Belmont. No. Belmont. I mean, is it Memphis? Is it ETSU? Is it Belmont? It's not Tennessee. I'm I'm still going with Belmont, man. Well, we haven't really talked about Belmont much this year because they've kind of been garbage. 
Uh, but they've, they've kind of been garbage. <laughs> they got garbage. They got garbage. twenty wins. Garbage <laughs> compared to how they usually are. You know, this is no Rick Bird team. They've got twenty wins, and for the first time in like six tries, they finally beat Jacksonville State. Man, I know Jacksonville State's not very good. Beat them one hundred one to eighty four. That's awesome. yeah. They killed them. Um, All right, yeah, they've won they've six won in a row. Good around. for them. Yeah, they're good. I guess I shouldn't have just like thrown you guys a question <laughs> randomly like that, which you guys were not at all prepared for. That's in Cam's wheelhouse. I I'm thought not about a, it. I'm not. I, I don't know Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. No, they are terrible. They suck. Tennessee. They yeah, are six they are and twenty-one. Ass. They are complete ass. Yeah. Is that is that a program you think we'll hear from again? Um, when I say again, I mean like reasonably. Think like, of, I, why I'm not? Sure, like, I'm sure in twenty years they'll be good again. Everything goes through cycles, but is that? Why not, man? Because like they're in Conference USA. None of those other teams seem to ever get good in terms of like um, consistent success or anything like that. They clearly have some sort of history on their side that's like within the memory of recruits, which isn't a thing that really. They've got has... a fan base. Yeah, they have a fan base, and like when you're trying to draw out some of like the um, history of a lot of these Conference USA programs and talk about it to recruits, I mean, none of them are remembering like these UAB teams that were stellar under like Gene Bartow and everything like that. Like, I mean, the MTSU stuff is recent enough that it, it's marketable. I, I, I think it's like a momentary slump. If they just got like a better coach in there, it'd probably be fine. It strikes me that you kind of, you have to like, you have to win sooner rather than later to some degree or else you risk kind of completely losing any kind of momentum you may have built even if it's just kind of residual you know because that's like the that's the cool thing i guess like for nevada and buffalo is that and i know i know that like the obviously the roster uh, realities are not the same but um but they did but i guess both those teams uh, did lose a lot of people but it's it's for them it's encouraging i think that they have now bottomed out this year and they have at least been respectable i think i think both of those teams definitely nevada maybe was a uh, i think buffalo was in our poll at one point this year right? yeah they were they, they had a pretty so, nice start and then they kind of fell off so it's you know that's good for them that they've kind of at least stayed respectable and it seems then you can kind of you know in recruiting or whatever kind of ride that momentum a little more but like that's a hard job at, at a middle tennessee because they did lose everything and you had one coach who was there for like a million years you know? yeah that's what i was so, gonna say yeah it's, that, it's a hard job to step into yeah that's what made it so difficult too because at least like normally uh, sometimes when you have some of these coaches that leave these jobs, these coaches who built these programs into like something really good at this certain point, um, there's something left over at least for like the next guy to kind of work with and not just start fresh. And like the cover just, just kind of cleaned out here in yeah. Tennessee when when Kermit left, and since he was gone, there's nobody to keep building, and it was just uh, just a complete chance to backslide. And I think he had said when he was, I don't know if it, if he had had a press conference like right before he left at, at, at Middle Tennessee still or, when, or it was when he got to Ole Miss. I think he had said something like this this was going to be a total rebuilding job if I stayed even. So it's tough. All right, that was our impromptu. So, so we, we've knocked out a Middle Tennessee yeah. State. Who's who's the next one we have to, <laughs> we have to talk about now? All right, tell, tell me who the uh, the best team in Wyoming is. It's not even Casper, a community it's, college. Yeah. <laughs> it sure as shit is not Wyoming. Well, I said I picked Wyoming because they only yeah. have one Division One school. I thought you were trying to get me to say Wyoming again Wyoming? on this on this podcast. No, um, you, you did say uh, Gonzaga at the beginning, so I do have to ding you for that. Wait, Wait Greg, say Nevada. Nevada. That's okay. correct. Was it, I, I would not. I said Gonzaga. I yes, definitely say Gonzaga. I've I've got it I've got it recorded. You we can I'm, check the tape. That's really because I've got I've got I thought I I want to have the Chicago Flat A thing. I want to like I want to maintain like at least a part of my upbringing in some <laughs> way. Not the Flat A. Is it a Flat A or like a Sharp A? Gonzaga. Zag. Ah. Zag. Well, ah. I took linguistics one hundred and one at UK. So let me say this was probably a um, a nasaler. Uh, uh, it's not nasal. If anyone listening knows linguistics better than Cam does, <laughs> uh, it, I, you know, I got an us. A. I got an A, whatever. 
and then all of that knowledge fell right out of your head. Oh, absolutely. There's no point for me to like maintain some of this knowledge, man. Right. What, what does linguistics have to do with my future in this? It was a cool class that I took because I, I just thought it would be an interesting subject, and it turned out to be one of the hardest college classes I took at UK. So, all right, and you're and you're applying it right now, in some in some ways in one some <laughs> applying way, shape, it. Yeah, he's speaking a language right now, is he not? Hey, so why'd you go to Wyoming and not Hawaii? Because um, I'm trying to think if there's any other know. state that only has well, Wyoming Minnesota is, does, but that's going to change. It's a funnier prompt because like Minnesota Wyoming is genuinely awful. That's in that's right. Yeah, that's insane. That's weird. But, I thought about that. But they're getting St. Thomas, so they're going to have a second one. So good for them. Vermont only has one. Oh yeah, yeah. Maine. Maine only has one. New Hampshire. No. Nope. No. Nope. New Hampshire has two. Shout New out Hampshire. Dartmouth. 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 What's up, Dartmouth? <laughs> it's been a long time no see. Yeah, well, maybe win some games. I don't know. What other? Any other states that only have one team? This Montana is riveting has, stuff. Has two. Alaska has none. Alaska so has zero. A, that's Dartmouth is that's never going to acknowledge us, dude. They're out there no. busy in the woods, like worshiping a freaking tree or something. Jeez. <laughs> well, that's an Ivy League institution you're talking about. Nobody, they don't get any visitors up there, man. Nobody goes up there. Jeez. I think that's all of them that only have one. Anyway, we are going to take a quick break. We, when we come back, we're going to talk about Gonzaga uh, a little bit. So, be right back. Back here on the Mid Major Madness podcast. We have hit the point in the year where there's not really a whole lot to say about. Gonzaga because they just keep winning. Uh, they are twenty six and one at the time of this recording. They have not lost since the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, most recent win got a little bit of a scare from Pepperdine. Uh, beat them eighty nine seventy seven on the road. They have four games left in the regular season. Maybe a, a tougher one at BYU on Saturday. Uh, but really, the the Zags are rolling. Number one in the country in offensive efficiency. The, putting up like 90 points a game pretty much every night, if not more than that. It's a hell of a lot of fun to watch them. Uh, but the reason we're bringing this up is because I wanted to complain a little bit, and maybe we could get some discussion uh, about this issue. Um, it seems that the talk has started a little bit early this year about pardon me, about Gonzaga not being a team that wins in the NCAA tournament. Uh, SportsCenter tweeted, three mid-majors in the top five of the latest AP poll, calling Gonzaga mid-major. That's a whole other discussion. Um, and a gentleman by the name of Derek replied in a tweet that blew up, partly thanks to us, eagerly awaiting Gonzaga's annual exit from the tournament in the round of 32 which he didn't realize was a very stupid thing to say, as I pointed out, because Gonzaga, in their last five NCAA tournaments, has reached, in order, the Elite Eight, the Sweet 16, the National Championship game, Sweet 16 again, and the Elite Eight again. So Gonzaga is a perennial second weekend team in every uh, in every sense. They are constantly, you know, in the top at least 10 teams in the country. They get one seeds. They go to the second weekend. They've been to the national championship game. They had a lead in the national championship game with under two minutes to go. My question to you guys is, despite all of that, and knowing that Gonzaga still somehow is thought of as a team that doesn't win in the NCAA tournament, even though they perform at or above their seed level pretty much every year, uh, is Gonzaga going to have to actually win a national championship to get the respect that they deserve? And I guess th- th- does the same go for Mark Few as a head coach? Who knows? Like, it probably won't even happen if that happens. Like, I, like I am so it's so beyond the pale. Like that this keeps getting brought up every year that I'm not even convinced because it's that not true. Actually, yeah, not like, even close. Like I'm I'm not even convinced that if they win the national title, it'll even like matter at all because invariably it'll be in some like dumbass situation where like 
the other one seeds suck, which could happen this it, it year. It could be this year, and that would the, be the excuse. Because yeah. Gonzaga could very well win the national championship, and then it'll be, well, this was a shitty year in college basketball. There were no great teams. Well, you know what? Maybe Gonzaga is a great team. San Diego State's a great team. Baylor is about to break the Big 12 record for consecutive conference wins. I think there are some great teams in college basketball, and Gonzaga is one of them. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And, like, I, I am completely prepared for that excuse. And it's an excuse that's probably um, going to hit us, like, twofold, because if it happens and they break that out, it also means that um, it, it's probably going to be some of the other mid-majors that have been hyped up this year, like your San Diego State's, your Dayton might have an early exit or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have to be fending off idiots on, like, both fronts here. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you have a, enough teams from mid-major leagues who get high seats, like, yeah, one of them will probably get upset. Like, that's the NCAA tournament that happens. Yeah, it happens to big conference schools. It's just, like, yeah. it's just what happens. There's just more big conference schools that make the tournament, so that's why they invariably win the national title. Like, it's it's all just a whole luck thing anyway, which which is why it infuriates me that, like, you would people even think that measuring Gonzaga's, like, success even comes down to the NCAA tournament stuff. But even once you do get into this, like, luck-driven um, thing, song and dance that we have to go through every year, they still succeed in that anyway, even though it's yeah. just a crapshoot so much. So, like, no matter how you slice it, they're a fantastic program, and, and I, I just do not understand any of this shit. Now, the, the, there was a time when that was a reasonable criticism of Gonzaga. Because they started their run in 99, they went to the Elite Eight, then went to the Sweet 16 the next two years, and that's when they, you know, became, like, the greatest Cinderella program of all time. But then after that, it was first round, second round, second round, second round, Sweet 16, first round, first round, Sweet 16, second round, second round, second round, second round, second round. So you could see where they got the reputation. And through 2014, I think it was reasonable. Um to make that criticism of, of them. But the last five years, that hasn't been the case. They have the longest Sweet 16 streak of any team in the country. I think we may suffer a little bit here from, like, our our own bubble. It, yeah, you we know, have a major brain. Well, I don't even think it's that. I think it's just, like, obviously anyone who has more than a passing fancy in college basketball other than in March, I think, I would hope, understands that they are – you know, all this is and I think you said it perfectly, uh, uh, Cam, that it's not just what, you know, what they've done in a situation that's all based on luck. It's the, it's the inside tournament. It's, it's the streak to get in. It's, it's like how they, you know, own that conference. Even if people are going to say it's not that, not that strong of a conference, it's still the overwhelming success they've had. But I, I have to think there's just some people, people who just, you know, a casual fans in March or uh, whatever that just can't get over the fact that it's a, conference they haven't heard of or it's a school with a funny name and it's it's no there's no way they can be as good as North Carolina or something like that um I I I just I can't actually think that anyone who has again that that has puts any sort of a critical thought into this sport would actually have that opinion but I I might be wrong because there are a lot of idiots out there so I I don't know and 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 Zaka too and I I agree with you there because like um, if you actually pay attention, and I think that's one thing that differentiates it too, is that like this isn't something that even gets peddled by the, the stupidest members of college basketball media. Like everybody buys into that Gonzaga is a legitimately is a legitimate powerhouse program. And I was just like looking up real quick too, like some of these years, Russ, that you're talking about, where you know Gonzaga did underperform, and that's that's probably where people are getting some of this from. It's like those years. Their seeds indicate that you would expect them to not make these deep runs anyway. That's true. They weren't always one or two seeds. Yeah, like the the year that they got that one seed uh, in 2013 was the year that they lost to the Wichita State team that almost took out Louisville and was in the title game almost. I mean, that was really kind of, I think, a little excusable considering how good that Wichita State team actually showed themselves to be in that whole lucky run. But otherwise, it's like these are eight and seven seed Gonzaga performances, and they're losing in like the second round or something. Right, I mean, where you would expect games. an eight or a seven seed to lose. Yeah, it's 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 entirely respectable, and so that's what even infuriates it more because it's like when Gonzaga gets the good seeds, they don't let you down. Now, something kind of crazy that I did not know until like just now when I looked it up. 
Gonzaga has not had a losing season since the 1989-1990 season. And for, Greg, Greg, you remember that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I do. For, for a program that is not in the Power Five or that is not a blue blood, that is amazing. Like it, to, to have that level of success consistently for 30 years. Um, well, even for like a power five, I, there's probably only a handful of programs. Yeah, that, no, there's not many. Like probably uh, Kansas and Duke are probably the only. Not Duke. Duke two, had a losing season okay, in 97. So, so maybe Kentucky's Kansas last, and then, Kentucky's oh, yeah, last Kentucky's losing there. season was in the Eddie Sutton years, I think, in the 80s. Yeah, so like maybe Kentucky and. I don't know, maybe there's one or two more, maybe probably Kansas. But for Gonzaga, for a team that was in you know, the WCAC and then the West Coast Conference with no real history to speak of until the early 2000s, that's ridiculous. Yeah, um, and it's and it's it's not I know it it's kind of not exactly on point there, but um it's not as if all these years they've had a free pass, you know, like they, they no. no, it's not, obviously it's not top to bottom of strong league, but there's usually, it's usually St. Mary's and maybe I'm just, this is just like recency bias, you know, uh, because of like the past few handful of years, but like, there's always been a team, another like really strong team in that league. So it's not as if they, they can just waltz in there. Like I, I hate to bring up the whack, but that that's kind of, and it's not comparable at all, but that's kind of what New Mexico state has been. Right, like very good program, super successful, but they basically have had a free pass every year. Like, there's not been that, you know, a team that approximates them at least a little bit. There, that that's not generally been the case with Gonzaga. Right, and and in New Mexico State's case, uh, didn't they get knocked off in the WAC tournament? They did, yeah, yeah. yeah there was one blip in, in, in 2016. Current configuration, yep. So, so like, even if they Rod have... Barnes, let's go. Let's let's talk about Rod Barnes. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's who it was. Mm -hmm. So, like, even if they have this so-called free pass, like, shit happens. You get knocked off anyway. And Gonzaga just hasn't. Um, What year did you say? What year did you say it was? Would you say 89-90? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I went back and looked it up just to see, like, because Kentucky's last one was 88-89. But So you got to beat by a year. I apologize sincerely, Cam, that I did not include Kentucky when I mentioned those other two teams. Well... That was Eddie Sutton's last year, and so not like last year is. I mean, okay. <laughs> I guess I get it. I get. I forget that in my mind that year with like Nerlens Noel. Like I know they didn't make the tournament. Yeah, they were an NIT. They, they were an NIT exactly. team. They were exactly. still above exactly. five hundred. So just in my mind, I was like, oh, that was a bad year, even though they obviously still had a winning record and made a postseason tournament. So I'm just explaining my reasoning here, explaining my defense. Um, I guess, you know, since we're talking about how ridiculous it is to just count Gonzaga out before the tournament starts, and we are the, uh, I think, the authority on mid-major basketball, you know, nationally, I, I don't I don't think anyone comes close to us. Thank you very much. The athletic. The, no, shut up. Obviously, I'm being facetious but i do think we do a nice job so every we fart in the general direction of everyone else (laughs) okay what i was going to say is i think it would be helpful as we head down the stretch in the regular season and you know more people start tuning into college basketball who maybe haven't been around quite as much we talk about a little bit which teams to watch out for to pick to go a long way and which ones might get upset. I think we can both or we could all agree that Gonzaga is a team that could go pretty far. Um, do you guys think undefeated San Diego State is also a reasonable Final Four contender? I think they are just because they don't seem to have a weak spot in the roster. Like they're super balanced in everything they do. Um, and I know we kind of – we. You know, every year, and we talked about this earlier, is that oh, it's a like defensively, it's a great team. Um, that's kind of what they've been known for. But they've got the offense to support it this year. Um, you know, they're an old team. I the only thing that concerns me is that they didn't. 
you know, it, they didn't necessarily play real top end competition, but really, what is that this year? And the fact that they played right. a Creighton who can score with anybody, and Iowa's really good. BYU is having a great year. Like those are three great wins. Um, and when we were talking earlier, I went back and looked at the Wichita State team from 2014, um, who I thought was fantastic, and I totally agree they got screwed on the seating there and got like the strongest eight seed in the history of the tournament. Um, and, and their resume looks a lot like the one uh, for the Essex this year. They had played Tennessee that year, um, which was ranked 10th in the Ken Palm and got a win, and that was kind of the thing they had to hang their hot on. But if you compare you know, side to side, the non-conference slate for San Diego State was probably stronger. So I think they've proven it there that they can play with anybody. So I would, I'm, not, I'm not scared about them. You saw them last weekend sort of start to get pushed by, by Boise in the second half because they had mounted like – it was like a 20-point game, and Boise had gotten it down to, I know, uh, uh, 10 points, maybe even less. But they responded right away, and it was a clinical, and they I, they have that instinct. So, yeah, I I think they for, can. For me, like, when I'm looking at this kind of stuff, uh, and I like I, – I do think that, like, on paper, yeah, like, San Diego State absolutely has what it takes to, like, cut down the nets and get to a Final Four. Um, but I just – enjoy looking much more at the perspective of what the brackets look like. And so if I'm just basing it off of like Lunardi's bracket, for instance, and like looking at the different matchups that they could possibly face, um, there's certainly like different scenarios out here where they have a better chance than any of them. But like in the current makeup, if things hold serve as they, as they probably um, might, if you could end up seeing like them play, you know, a Duke or something like that, I, I wouldn't be too extremely confident. Um, Duke looks like they're kind of starting to, to roll a little bit right now. But otherwise, like some of these other lower-seeded teams don't really scare me um, in terms of like who San Diego State could go up against. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about them. Yeah, I, I think we would all be in agreement about San Diego State. Uh, I, I'd throw Dayton at you next, but I think the college basketball world has seen enough of them. To know that they're legit, they've seen enough Obi Toppin uh, highlight real dunks uh, that I don't think too many people are going to pick them to like lose to a 15 seed. Uh, I think the more interesting question to ask would be how you feel about BYU. Because BYU entered the top 25 this week for the first time in, I think it was eight years. They are number 19 in Ken Palm, 21 and 7 overall which seven losses, kind of a lot for a West Coast Conference team that is ranked. Um, Looking at their losses, none that are really hideous. Uh, Loss at San Francisco, not great. Loss at Utah, not great. But they've beaten a UCLA team that is now rolling, by the way. They beat a kind of shitty Virginia Tech team, beat Nevada, beat Utah State, beat St. Mary's. Um, They have the number five rated offense in the country. By the way, out of the top five offenses, uh, Gonzaga, Dayton, and BYU are all in the top five, just saying. Uh, it, they seem to be a legit team. I'm not sure people know too much about them outside of, you know, TJ Hawes is 35 years old and still on this team. Um, do, do you think they're a team that can make a deep run, or would you be expecting them to get picked off kind of early? Well, my thing with like BYU here, um, I was shocked when I saw that they got into the, uh, this is off topic, but when I saw that they got into the AP Top 25 this week, because you're talking mm-hmm. about their resume and stuff, and they're, they're steadily building these wins here and everything. But, um, I mean, besides that like St. Mary's win earlier in the month, I haven't been extremely impressed with some of with their with their body of work um in the new year i guess i was going to ask a question later but um i guess it'd be fine to just ask it right here um, and kind of i guess distract from your question sorry but does this mean that if northern iowa had like won against loyola they probably would have been ranked considering how byu just got in there um where were they in terms of receiving votes Northern Iowa was literally like one or two out. Oh, the then yeah, probably. Year. Yeah. Well, that stinks. I'll, um, I'll tell you what worries me about BYU. Um, and I obviously th- this works the opposite way, too, that if it works out for them, they who knows how far they could go. Um, 
they are the best three-point shooting team in the country, 42%. They also rank eighth in the country in the total percentage of their points that they get from three-point land. So obviously, you know, that's great for them. But if they go cold from three, they could be in a lot of trouble. And looking at some of their losses this year, that loss to uh, to Gonzaga, they lost by 23 points. They shot just 6 of 20 from 3 in that game. Their loss to St. Mary's, they shot 6 of 18. So, like, they've had some games where they have gone cold, and it's come back to bite them. And you kind of wonder what would happen if, say, they come up against the best, you know, three-point defense in the country, or one of them at least, like a, a West Virginia or a Rhode Island or a Duke, uh, what would happen in a scenario like that? So that would be what worries me, but it depends on the matchups. I mean, again, you know, they, they catch fire. Maybe they're the Cinderella team that goes to the Final Four. Like, I, I could see that happening just as easily as them getting knocked off right at the start. And I think something... Yeah, especially because they've got them. so much... Ex- Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think, I think something that helps them there at least is that, you know, Jake Toulson, I think, has proven the last couple of years he's one of, if not the best three-point uh, shooters in the country. So, like, a guy like that is, you know, high efficiency. But what, what kind of hurts them with that is that P.J. Hawes, as exciting as he is, like, he, he's a very high-volume three-point shooter but not been the most consistent. And, you know, in a game like that, you know he's going to have a green light still. So, if it, you know, if it's not falling, that could compound itself. So, I'm I'm not really taking a side there. Um, but, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, that would concern me as well. One of the things I thought was so unfortunate for BYU was just that in, in previous years, like I would have been even higher on them um, just for the sheer fact that this is one of the first years in a while that we haven't had really any um, teams that are led by any like standout freshmen or a group of really young players. And given how like experienced this BYU team is as well, you know, you hear talk about this so much, it's a little overblown. But like if this had been, say, you know, last year or the year before or something like that, I would have felt really good about the makeup of like this BYU team. Uh, that would have been a, a pretty good advantage, and I, I like how much talent and experience they do end up combining here. And, and that could still be a pretty significant advantage. I mean, not, not only you know do they have a lot of like, juniors and seniors, especially Hawes, Toulson, um, that uh, Alex Barcelo, like they've they've played together a while, and that's great. What might help them is, you know, if they run into a situation where, say, you know, Tulson just suddenly can't hit a shot or, you know, maybe TJ Hawes, the same thing. They've been together long enough that they know, you know, okay, what's our second option? What's our third option? And maybe they can adjust from there. Uh, So that's where that's where experience could become a factor, as it would with, with any team, really. And I think Yoli Childs, we'd agree, is probably an NBA player, right? Maybe. Yeah. If not, he's on the fringe, and that you know, if you're trying to simplify things, that always that never hurts if you've got that top level talent there. Yeah, for for sure. I don't I don't even know why I didn't you know throw Yoli Childs into into this discussion as well. I mean, he's about as good as they come in that league. Yeah. Hopefully, he's uh, able to. Uh, stay healthy that, that's all this. a huge factor i mean he missed the first month of the season then missed another stretch uh, and i guess that's what early is in conference really, play. yeah i was gonna say i guess that's what's really helping out their case a lot too we were kind of unimpressed with some of their stuff but i, I completely forgot about the fact that he was suspended and injured for yeah, a ch- large portion childs did not play and uh looks like five of their seven losses yeah, so they could very yeah. You think about how uh, how much better this team could look right now. We could be we could have been looking at them as a pretty pretty high seed. But yeah, it, well, well, but knowing that the committee will take that into account, you know, maybe we do see BYU get a higher seed than you know than we would expect. Now, kind of on the same vein, um, Richmond is a team I wanted to ask you guys about because go off cam with, with like a boomer uh, a bust. If, if that's what we're talking about here, that's a team that I, if they get in, um, I would be really excited to like put them into the sweet 16 just because they have a couple guys that can go get a basket no matter what. And I know that's like 
over uh simplifying things but um that would be something that i would be very excited about in the tournament now it could go very poorly as well but um i don't know i know you guys have know them a lot more than i do so i'd be interested to get your thoughts on that yeah i mean i, I think you put it pretty well when you said boomer bust um you clearly saw how much firepower that they have and um the most recent win against VCU the other night, um, that game, they, I think, went 11 for 22 or something like that from three. They shoot a shit ton of threes. Um, and it, it's, it's, they're a pretty fun team to watch for that um, factor. But my, my biggest problem was just that um, they really lack any sort of um, height besides, you know, Golden. And he's their biggest player. And um, beyond him, you know, KO and Burton have really um, come into their own, but they still don't really have like the size that I would want to see um, if they were going to be pre- pre- present rather a very formidable force in the tournament. And that's where you've really seen it hurt them a lot. Um, in that Dayton game, they got completely, completely hammered um, by by the Flyers, and a lot of that had to do with you know the fact that. Dayton was a much more athletic team, and um, which I've said all year that you can't really run with Dayton. You got to try and slow them down. And Richmond played them with their own game, um, but Dayton's size really got to Richmond there. And so, if something were to happen, and say Grant Golden, you know, gets in foul trouble or anything like that, um, things could go really badly, really quickly for for Richmond. Uh, Greg, did you have trivia? I do, and it's really stupid. And, All right. Um, so, of the which we've, I, I'll stop because I'm gonna give it away. Even though you guys are gonna get it right away, anyways. Of the five longest winning streaks in the country, three of them are held by mid majors. What are those three teams? Gonzaga. Yes. Wait. Repeat the question again. So, of the top five current longest winning streaks in the country, three are held by mid-majors. What are the three teams? Uh, okay, so we got Gonzaga. Uh, trying to think. Uh, Vermont? No. Really? All right. Okay, conference winning streaks. Not conference, just right. overall Just overall. Streaks. Oh, There was one that you guys are missing that I did. I it took me a while to figure out, and then I realized I was stupid. So, okay, so I'm probably stupid. Too. No, you guys. Are oh, Dayton. Dayton. No. What? No. They lost, they, the they lost the Winning Colorado. Streets. So I mean, like San Diego State and Gonzaga. Oh. And well, yeah, obviously San Diego State. Oops. Um, San Diego State. Actually, Dayton. No, this may be a bad trivia question. Hold on, I'm trying to think about. I'm trying to think nope, about. Nope, nope, it's um, good. I'm trying to think Dayton. about like our other top twenty-five rankings and who. That, that's what I was trying to think, and and I realized that's why I forgot San Diego State because I haven't actually looked at their resume in months because they've just yeah. always been right at well, the top. I will amend this. Well, don't it don't might, spoil it yet. Well, Dayton might be five, so we'll switch it to the top of the top four. Three of them are mid-majors. You guys have gotten two. All right, so Gonzaga and San Diego State were the I guess gimmies. Even though, um, and I didn't think it's San Diego State because they haven't lost this year. So right. Was, when was Wright State's last loss? They lost a stupid one, didn't they? Yeah, they lost to Green Bay a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. This is a yeah. team that we have mentioned on this podcast. Dartmouth. Okay, no. Yes, Dartmouth. Uh-huh. That's it. You got it. They Wyoming. won 35 straight games. <laughs> <laughs> No one's talking about it. We haven't written about it. It's been it's kind of embarrassing to be honest. Is it East Tennessee State? Well, they've lost to Mercer, yeah. Never mind. It's not the fur man. It's not Greensboro. Um It's probably not definitely not Belmont. Um No Belmont's trash. Shut the hell up. <laughs> this is a Northern team that Island. just barely kept its winning streak alive. Last weekend. Oh, was it Saint? No, Saint Mary's lost. No. Um, just barely. Just barely. 
hit a shot at the buzzer. Yeah. <laughs> We're not that smart. Okay. Is um, it Stephen F. Austin? It is nope. not. Uh, can we say it? No, 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 no. no, give, no. give us a hint. Give us a hint. It's, it's a team that I mentioned on this podcast. That's not fair. I didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tennessee Volunteers. It's not that. Greg, what were you talking about, buddy? <laughs> oh, boy. Our, our tens of listeners at home are screaming it into their, into their phones. <laughs> Scrambling to find the call-in number. Yeah, we got oh, rid of that for we, a reason. We and they remember, it's a, it's a podcast. <laughs> um, this is a New fan Mexico base. State. It is New Mexico State. Oh, 15 wins. Shit, uh, they have the fourth longest in the country. Peyton might be number five. Of course you were the one who mentioned that. I know, but I, I believe the only other non-major than in the top four would be Taylor of winning streaks with Gonzaga, San Diego State, and New Mexico State, which just barely got its uh, 15th right, straight over. with a buzzer beat over Utah Valley. Utah Valley. A, a Utah I mean, I Valley guess. that is not as good because Mark Pope left for BYU. I mean, I guess that's pretty impressive, but the most it's, impressive it's, thing is that it's really San Diego not. State has not allowed an opponent to score any points in Mountain West Conference play. Yeah, no, they've shot everybody out. I mean, we should really people we should be talking about that a lot more. Yeah, opinion. but is it but is it as impressive as New Mexico State never having lost a whack game in the history of their affiliation with the conference? I mean, they're both pretty good, if you ask me. I love that the New Mexico State account uh, retweeted that awesome graphic from Saturday. Did they really? I didn't. Yeah, they I did. didn't check that out. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Hey guys, Malachi Flynn, more like Malachi Win. <laughs> Can I add a laugh track? <laughs> I'm laughing. Maybe you could do it a little oh, louder. Oh, I'm sorry. Time. I was on mute. I was. I was oh, there, there you go. But I was on mute. There you sorry. Go. I'll just make that the open. Do we have anything else, Greg? I know you have to like get back to your child or whatever. Greg, I think you're a lot. Oh, oh, they retweeted it with a graphic. Okay, I mean yeah. retweeted it with a comment rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's even yeah, better. They they genuinely love us, and that's why we love them. Exactly. And we've got a story posting on them tomorrow. Is it you? Uh, yes. Who else? Gotcha. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. For Greg Mitchell and Cam Newton, I'm Russ Steinberg. We will talk to you again soon.